Welcome to STEM Interviews, a science communication interview series powered by stemcognito.org, a not-for-profit platform showcasing the best in STEM research for free. STEM Interviews is hosted by ex-researcher turned professional science communicator Dr. Sarah Wettstadt. Each episode, Sarah chats to a scientist, technologist, engineer or mathematician about their research and why it's important for both scientists and non-scientists. She also asks about their science communication tactics, hobbies, career journeys and pretty much everything in between. Welcome to a new episode on the STEM interviews. Today we have with us Dr. Krishna Kadamti from the University of Maryland, where he's t- currently working as a postdoctoral research associate in the Perception Robotics Group. Welcome. Thank you. So just as a beginning, can you maybe just summarize your research project for our audience? So currently in my postdoc, uh, I'm working with the Perception and Robotics Group. Uh, I'm, I have more of a theoretical mathematical background, mm-hmm. uh, plus controls background. So in, in our group, I work on specifically controls and estimation. So how do we control a robot or like how do we guide a robot to do a specific task? Okay. Uh, and also I write mathematical equations that say, okay, this is how the robot should behave. And the perception team says, okay, this is how the sensor behaves. So I kind of integrate both of them to efficiently navigate a robot indoors or outdoors. It depends on the application. Okay, so what, what does perception mean for a robot in robot terms now? Uh, simply, okay, uh, equivalent to our eyes. Perception mm-hmm. is like, how, how do you see? How do you see the environment? That's, that's basically perception or vision. Okay. But so there are other technicalities or like sensors that we can associate perception with, like the sense of touch. Mm-hmm. But I predominantly work on vision. Vision. Okay, so basically you teach a robot how to see. Yes, but not te- not teach per se, but like, how do we infer what it is seeing and how do we effectively, like it's basically ones and zeros or some kind of random information. How do we tell the robot, hey, there is a cup here or there is a human being here or there is yeah. a door here. So that kind of information, we have to like generalize it. Like we cannot just say, okay, take this information, find out, navigate, it will not do anything. It's mm-hmm. robots are not that intelligent. So we have to tell them, hey, do this, do this based okay. on the information I get from vision. So how do you do that? How do you yeah, tell the robot that this is a cup and this is a tree? There are two classic problems here. Like uh, it's hard, it's very hard to estimate depth. That's a classic vision problem. Mm-hmm. So what is like depth in the sense, like how far is the object away from? Mm-hmm. So we need two eyes, like we have two eyes so we can easily identify, okay, the object is like one feet away or I have to get up and move to pick up the object yeah. or I have to avoid this. Yeah. But like if you, classical problems are such a way that you need two cameras to identify. Mm-hmm. And the problem becomes whether you're indoor or outdoor. Okay. So Why? if you're indoor, like there are other sensors that I can use and I can say, hey, robot, you're here, go to a yeah. point B, which is like this distance away. So I know at each and every point of time where the robot is with respect to the real uh, world. Because you have other sensors within the, within the room or wherever Ooh, the robot exactly. is. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, exactly. But there are other, like if you come outside, there are GPS and other kinds of information, mm-hmm. but sometimes you lose GPS information based on, because of like cloudy cloudiness, mm-hmm. or you might not have GPS satellites where you're on top of you. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, like robot doesn't like, if you try to close your eyes and then try to walk in a 3D environment, 
and you would not go like you would not know where you're going yeah so that, that's useless like i can walk but what am i doing where am i going there's no uh, yeah. inference from that so that's okay. called like localization so those are two classical problems of vision okay so uh, why do we need a robot that knows that there's a cup outside outside not just inside are we building uh, robots that are supposed to work outside yes like that that's kind that's another applications right like uh, mm -hmm. like a lawnmower example like you don't have to like uh, have a person moving mowing the lawn mm -hmm. but at the same time if there is somebody like if the lawnmower encounters a person it has to stop right yeah then it should know how it far is nice, the person yeah. <laughs> <laughs> please don't kill so, this dog <laughs> this is a dog that, by the that, way that is, the robot is never going to come outside again if it hits a human being <laughs> Uh, so I think like that, how far is the human? So it has to analyze it and then like, hey, I am here. The human is like five feet away from me. So yeah. slow down and stop okay. if I'm like closer to him. So that kind of information is needed for the robot yeah. uh, to like do anything. I gave you one example. There are multiple examples. Yeah, but isn't it like, don't we have like self-driving cars that are kind of doing this already or that are learning this behavior already? Or am I wrong? Yes, there are. Time. Yes, there, there, there are. You, you're yeah. perfectly true. But like they have multiple information, like multiple sensors. Like there might be sensors in the front. They might be like mm -hmm. again, as I said, they might have lidars. They are like they scan the space, three D space, and then they gives you whatever like the distance to objects. Yeah. So again, one example I can give you is like the Tesla car because it has so many sensors and it has so much of computation mm -hmm. in the car. So mm -hmm. then we can do. But if let's say I cannot put a lighter on a small lawnmower, yeah, no. If the lawnmower is like two hundred dollars, and the lighters lighters might be like two thousand dollars, so okay. there is a trade-off that you have to take into account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this yeah, this kind of explains or already answers the question: Why is the pro uh, the, yeah, the project important for our audience? So how what's the applications other than a lawnmower or a car? Where else could we use um, uh, project? In our daily lives uh they're also like okay i'll just deviate into i, I come inside now let's okay. say you you like let's say you have a robot that's helping an old age home old people in their houses so how does it pick and place the dishes in the dishwasher mm -hmm. that's an example like it has to move in such a way i don't hit the person mm -hmm. and i don't break the object if i'm picking let's say this this cup i'm picking the cup i know where the cup is i know what is in it and then yeah. how much weight I can I can do all these calculations in my head. Yeah. Like within a fraction of a second. If if I try to pick the object, if the object is like glass, if the object is plastic. So there are two different kinds of forces involuntarily apply. Like my hands apply that, but we don't see it. But we have to tell the robot, hey, this is a cup and this is a glass cup. Yeah. So you have to pick it. Right. If I crush, like if I put more force on my cup, mm -hmm. it breaks eventually. Yeah. Which is not good. So you need to identify all these things. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Indoor. That that's indoors again. That's indoors. Okay. So how how does it work? Are you yourself applying for grants? How do you convince grant um, grant givers or like non scientists of your research? Why do you think it's worth sponsoring? Uh, I think it would it would help like. There are, as, as I again said, like there are multiple applications, mm -hmm. and then like we tell like, hey, this is this is what has been done, and how can we improve this, and this is what we are going to do. 
So that that's how like what has been like that's that's what that's how grant proposals are funded, right? What is new or innovative about this? Yeah. Even though it might not be feasible, but the idea is innovative. So like, hey, can we do this? We don't have money. Give us money, and then we'll try to solve yeah. this problem. Yeah. So where, where are the, the limitations then right now? What what kind of grant are you writing for at the moment? Or was the last grant you've been you wrote? Uh, I think uh, just after my PhD, I wrote a grant, mm -hmm. and then it got funded. But I had to wait uh, for some time. It's mm -hmm. like, uh, but I then I was like, okay, I cannot wait. But like, I so then I picked up this position. Oh, okay. Yeah. So then I, we I, I wrote a uh, we are writing a grant currently. So that says like, how does safety come into picture? Okay, that's like, interesting and super important. Yes, Tell exactly. Tell me more about like, this. So right now we are working on like how do we make robots safer yeah like how do we make machine learning safer in very simple applications not like complex applications yeah. let's say you're navigating or uh let's say you have some kind of sensor and it's giving you noisy data mm -hmm. how do we use machine learning to identify that noise and eliminate it before we give into before we take some next steps simply okay. so those those kinds of uh i'm writing that grant like how does it <laughs> Prove, prove it's safe, and at the same time, we use good signals uh, for control. Okay, so what's the issue with noise and safety? I don't get that link. Uh, let's say if your uh, system is noisy, or, okay, I can give you a simple example. Like, I have my glasses on. Mm -hmm. So if I try to remove my glasses and then see some objects, I might not be able to see them clearly. Yeah, I know. I, it might be blurred, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then how efficient my brain is, I am still doing the mundane task ineffectively. Yeah. So then if I if I try to correct my my vision using glasses, then I see the object clearly. Mm -hmm. And then my control system is saying like, okay, pick up the bug. It's like one feet away from you. Yeah. So then I have good information from sensors. So that's that's how sensor noise is like yeah. very let's say even in small vehicles, let's say the uh, the lawnmower I gave you example. If I have like so much of noisy data, I would not be able to perform properly the moving of a lawn. Okay, so with noise, you don't actually mean sound, you mean like the amount of data that you have that don't give you specific results, right? Exactly. I might have data, but that's useless to me. Okay. So how do I get the useful data from uh, okay. useless or like some kind of information, extract information from the noisy signal? Nice in the sense, disturbance, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like okay. you, you hear in music okay. and stuff, like when you have like a loud noise and stuff or there might be disturbance like okay there's yeah. a persistent yeah so that's basically noise okay yeah just for our audience to know what what scientifically speaking noise can be and it's not all about sound yes it's, it's not all about sound yeah <laughs> no okay so one of the questions from our audience actually was um how do you see the future of robotics what do you think a robot could help you in i don't know 20 or 30 years time Wow, I am actually too young to, pr to predict, but I, I can too give you my, my inputs to see what. <laughs> what about the lawnmower? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think there, there are actually those those kind of lawnmowers inside the house, right? Like we have the Roomba, like we, we are already there. Like, have you heard yeah. of the Roomba? It's like a vacuum cleaner inside yeah. the house that goes when there is an obstacle, yeah. it tries to turn around. like. It's very simple. Yeah, yeah. 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 It, I think most people know. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But the direction we go, maybe how do we again? As I said, if the robot is interacting with a human, mm -hmm. like how do we uh, account for safety? Okay. And also, like, 
I had something in my hand. Suddenly, suddenly it slipped. Just give me a second. No worries. Yeah, I think human machine interactions plays plays a bigger role as we go along. Okay, that sounds really interesting. So how <laughs> how similar is a robot going to be to a human in the end? <laughs> Are we going to have proper conversations with robots? Uh, you still you have you have that already. Okay. So we, is like can this we call Siri? Uh, okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, but again, like in if, if we have to go into let's say each household, like we have cell phones in each household, it might gonna take a lot of time. Okay. We, we are we are nowhere close yet. Okay, that's quite relieving for me to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we have some kind of like robot manipulation they're called like your hand is a manipulator so it moves freely right mm. and your vision is saying okay there is a wood don't like don't go in that direction because you'll hit you have that pre-built information mm -hmm. can we teach all that like 20 years or like 25 years what we have learned robot in like next two three years or next five years probably not okay yet it's good yeah we, we might we might we are working <laughs> on that yeah okay so what are your what are your feelings about the ethical issues that we have with robotics and artificial intelligence? For I for my myself, I for example don't like talking to Siri or any of that. So that's why it doesn't even occur to me of like I'm not having a conversation with a robot, no. But yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a very good question because I, I had this discussion with my wife, like let's say you, somebody asks you to build a robot that that like can be deployed in a war or something and i was like no i'm not going to do yeah. an algorithm that that does it so it, it i think it's individuality becomes a bigger issue there like somebody might be like hey this is my technology i want to develop it it doesn't matter where i use for but yeah. again like then regulation should come into picture okay you can use under these circumstances like yeah. there should be like extensive regulation saying that it cannot be used. I think I don't know if they have that, but some countries have used are like they have a treaty saying that you cannot use AI in warfare or I'm not sure or okay. maybe I've seen in a series or something. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So it, it's going to be a big, big thing. Like as we as we, because like we cannot teach consciousness to a robot yet. Like yes. I don't know if it's possible. I think Einstein, no, Stephen Hawking said it, it's going to be really catasmalist state or it's going to be extinction level event if we teach consciousness yeah. or uh, intelligence like to to robot yeah because yeah. then Even, we're completely substitutable huh yeah that's that's what like we are on the top of the human chain like the top of the food chain mm -hmm. so if we teach a robot intelligence and then they are on top of the food chain yeah. so you're like you're not the alpha in the food chain so yeah 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 okay let's not do that then i guess <laughs> <laughs> hopefully but you never know science scientists sometimes are not yep. intelligent when it comes to real world scenarios okay oh <laughs> hard work okay <laughs> i don't like it. it it's it's they have written and like i i think predominantly that experience comes from for me at least from movies where mm -hmm. i found like hey that is really stupid why did you even do it <laughs> but then i mean who wrote those movies not scientists probably <laughs> I, I agree <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. <laughs> okay, so you said you made quite a break from your, or you shifted your interests after your PhD. So, what was your PhD project about then? Uh, 
Okay, simply put, uh, it's about like how do we regulate the flow? Like how do we over regulate a, flow What's around flow? an aircraft? Ah, okay. So flow is like air, or yeah, okay. Flow yeah, is some kind of fluid moving in the through a medium. Yeah. So okay. like uh, my my problem was like, um, see, you have been you have flown right? Yeah. So there there is like as aircraft has like certain control surfaces they're called like how does it lift happen? How does it rotate? Yeah. Like roll, that's called roll, and like how does it yaw stuff like that? Yeah. Uh, traditionally, control algorithm like aircraft control is done using some mechanical surfaces. Mm -hmm. Like it's a it's a metal like that goes up and down so that yeah. you get lift. Yeah. But yeah. the next those. technology, yeah, that's next technology is like they're called synthetic jets. Like they are uh -huh. placed on a wing and then they release a puff of air. Okay. So it it modifies the airflow. Yeah. So, and then you can orient, like you can make the aircraft go crazy maneuvers at high speeds, like crazy. supersonic. Yeah. Like, okay. Not in a passenger flight, but like an un unmanned flight. How do we go supersonic? How do we go hypersonic? Okay. So, so how does it work? Tell me. How does a puff of air make a, a jet go crazy, as you said it? Okay. Okay. Like, uh, okay. Simply put, like I want to rotate the aircraft or like I want to uh, change its direction. Right. Yeah. At high speeds, if you try to use these control surfaces, as I said, metal metallic surfaces or metals or some kind of control surfaces, they they will not be able to deliver your desired performance because they'll melt or they deform at, at those high speeds. Uh, okay. So instead of these traditional surfaces, we are using synthetic jets. They are like some kind of membrane. Like mm -hmm. if you give a voltage, it releases a puff of air. A what? Sorry. Uh, puff of air, like it's puff a, it's a, yeah, yeah, puff of air. So if you put them along the wing boundary, and mm -hmm. then if you activate them, mm -hmm. and then like you, you can bend the aircraft faster, or like you, you can rotate. I okay. should not say bend, but rotate, or like do whatever design maneuver in an efficient way, because there is no mechanical surface that's being act, uh, actuated. Mm -hmm. It's easier and it's okay. more efficient. Okay. And I provided uh, theoretical guarantees. I would say, like the control engineers are more interested towards it like i mean to say okay this kind of work can be done i gave like mathematical proof saying that okay this okay. is stable yeah okay so you basically just looked at the theories and all the physics behind it and said yeah this is what my model says yes you can build this aircraft yes <laughs> okay nice <laughs> and is it going to be built or <laughs> and when <laughs> before think, or after the robots <sighs> that i i don't know yet but nasa is working on a it's called X aircraft, some kind of configuration, like uh, all NASA aircrafts are like labeled X if they're demonstrative aircrafts. Mm -hmm. So NASA is working on a project, but I don't know yet. What is the name of the project? Or I've seen some images, I think, I don't know if I can, I, I've seen some images where like, it looks like a, how do I put it? It's like, a, it, it looks like a horizontal, like, uh, no, that's not a good example. It's not a traditional aircraft to be, to be put simply okay yeah yeah it's like a hypersonic or supersonic aircraft oh my god i can't wait to see such things <laughs> nice. we are far away from that as well okay so yeah is it going to happen before or after the robots what do you think what's your take on that uh robots are already here <laughs> <laughs> i mean we so, also already have airplanes <laughs> <laughs> but now yeah like fine-tuning now huh oh <laughs> uh, yeah true maybe mm, before before. then we expect robots in our home okay <laughs> because yeah yeah <laughs> okay awesome 
Okay. Um, yeah. So I was also told that you're interested in science communication. More or less. Yeah, because I, I, I have my PhD in uh, sciences or like my, my degree comes from College of Arts and Science. Yeah. So I am like, we always debate. I'm an engineer or I'm a scientist. So it's, yeah, you can say. Something in between. Okay. Yes. Okay. So what is, what are you, why are you so passionate about science communication? Uh, I think, if, okay, this, this is the big thing that I, I've realized after, I think after my bachelor's, mm -hmm. because like, I didn't pay attention to the basic sciences, let's say like classical mechanics or physics, like early, early stages of uh, the base, I should say, yeah, was not set properly for me. Okay. So I think so, I really so doing all this physical modeling without knowing the basics of physics. Oh, no, that <laughs> so was what you're like telling me, do stuff. I want to fly in this airplane? <laughs> <laughs> no. and after my bachelor's, I realized like, okay, the ground should be solid. So that's where I, in, I entered into like the basics of sciences, physics and stuff. So mm -hmm. uh, somehow I have a connection. Like I teach my kids like, hey, I, because I taught physics, one, like uh, entry level physics to engineers. So I told them like, hey, I didn't do it. So this is, it will haunt you to the next five, not forget about five, the whole rest of your life if you yeah. want to be an engineer. Okay. So that's how I became passionate about like basic sciences. And I like to teach them like from the ground up. If your basics are strong, you can do whatever you want to go up. True, true. Yeah, and one of my students came to me and said like, hey, Krishna, you told me in my first year that this, is, this class is important and I am still using these, these equations in my third year or fourth year of my bachelor's degree. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's important, yeah. Awesome. So what are your favorite science communication projects that you're involved in other than teaching your kids about the basic science, which obviously is the most, uh, most amazing one, most important? Currently not, but I, I might ask you, I have to ask you a question. What are science communication projects? Is there a specific term for it? Or like, I don't know. Like anything, outreach or public engagement, anything like that. Oh, I, yeah, I have, we have done something like there were like high school kids here, like mm -hmm. around, around this campus. And mm -hmm. I'm associated with the Maryland Robotics Center. So they came to us and like, we showed them like, hey, these are the labs and stuff. and. They are, to be frank, they are way ahead of how when I how I was at sixteen or seventeen. Oh wow! Okay. So they they are building robots. They are writing code and like they are they are they are doing stuff which I did at, at twenty three or twenty four. I still wow. like yeah. So I think this the the kids here are like really advanced or they know more information generation. because of the internet. Wow, amazing! And also, I volunteered at like some high schools like. For, I think when I was doing my PhD, like I was a substitute teacher. I, I, mm -hmm. I, I uh, just go with like, not the high school kids, but like the primary kids, see how mm -hmm. the system is like, help them out. Like, hey, so I, I've done that work as well. Okay, right, yeah. that's good. Okay. A few things did not materialize because of COVID. Like uh, there was like a science STEM competition, like around the area that I live in and I volunteered mm -hmm. for it. Hey, I'll be a judge. Mm -hmm. But because of COVID, I think they canceled that uh, yeah. event 2019. Yeah, okay. early, early early 2020, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I lost track of 2020 because of COVID, so. <laughs> Don't we all, yes, yes. Oh my yeah. God, yes. Okay, and one really important question 
from our audience uh, because you work in such a probably man um no okay let me rephrase that because you work in a field which is probably full of men are there actually lots of women in the robotics group or in the control engineering field that you're in yes and no yes and no okay <laughs> uh okay the the reason no being like i very like it's it's very sparse like or very limited as well and like i said yes because my wife is a controls engineer mm -hmm. uh, and i have two of my pis who are women mm -hmm. so and also like when i joined postdoc like here uh, out of the four two or two of them were women okay That's so it's yeah. growing at the same time but it's not as rapid as it should be okay yeah but there, there are like now there is like society for women in controls like ieee has a branch like women in controls so i think it's, I like it's really that name <laughs> the women in control yes <laughs> but there are like um, exceptional really like amazing uh women who do uh, exceptional work in controls nice awesome yeah. okay Okay, and now towards the end, we always have a couple of personal, more random questions. Are you ready for these? Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay, what was your favorite subject at school? At school, I would say math. Okay. Uh, during my PhD, I would say science or like physics. Okay, that's, yeah, yeah. sticking with one side. Okay. Um, in one sentence, what, in one sentence, what are you truly passionate about? I would say teaching the younger kids. Okay, teaching. So not yeah. just your own kids, but students. Yes, like the high school students are like early, uh, like even uh, below 10 or yeah. Oh, wow. Like or 10 to 15 or 20, 10 to 18. I, I mean, they are probably super keen to hear about robots and, and high speed airplanes, right? <laughs> not technically per se, but I love teaching like math and numbers or like uh, they should like i didn't have this my dad was a teacher mm -hmm. uh but he was exceptional like i didn't realize it at that time because he was my teacher so i and I, yeah. I used to be scared of it yeah but he was uh, later i realized like he has he's exceptional wow. like teaching math so that's why i think i have that interest of teaching from both of my yeah. parents that's good that's good yeah. okay um what do you do in your free time when you don't teach your kids um, science and you're not in the lab yourself. What do you actually do? I hang out with my friends a lot. When I, like my wife complains that I have too many friends. Okay, <laughs> that's, that's unusual to hear, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like cooking, like I, 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 I explore, like I, if, I, if I am in a town, the first thing I do, like I do extensive research on like, what are the restaurants in here? Like what are the foods I have to try? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I like eating and cooking. Nice, that's good. Um, what is your favorite movie, including robots? <laughs> oh, wow. Including, you want the movies to, with robots? Yeah, your favorite movie that has robots in it? Uh, I cannot pick one, but I can give you a couple of names or two or three maybe. Okay. <laughs> uh, what is it called? I like uh, Real Steel. It's a, it's a yes. movie about robot boxing. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's it's really fascinating. And I think there is another movie from the UK. It's called Ex Machina. Ex Machina, yeah. Yeah. And uh, maybe the uh, iRobot from Will Smith. Yeah. 
I like that yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there, like you, you can see like what, how, when, when a robot takes over, like, yeah, it's yeah. Like, that was what, 20, 15 years ago, I think. Oh God. I yeah. feel so old now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Our, our robot is one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that might be really interesting for you. What would you do if you were donated $10 million to your project? Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a tough question. <laughs> <That's> a really... <laughs> for a project, okay. I, if they are giving me ten million dollars, like it, should, it would be at least like for five, six years, or like next ten years, like yeah. yeah. I... But which problems would you tackle with it? Which challenges would you want to try to tackle? Uh, especially like building a robot is is difficult. Like yeah, mm -hmm. uh, that's what that's what I've learned here because like doing mathematics and like. Uh, theory research it's like easy it's, it just have to sit you just have to sit read some papers work it out but like building a robot like the robot you built today will work today sometime it might not work tomorrow like there might Why? be n number of problems like this wire has gone out or this motor has gone out or oh, this okay. sensor is like faulty so i don't know maybe like efficient building i would focus mm -hmm. on like how do we build up robots that are efficient and the at the same time like, as well yes exactly yeah yeah okay and safety again as as a controls engineer i worry about safety like yeah i would be, i would put safety predominantly into the project okay. yeah that's good yeah that's important to take up <laughs> okay <laughs> thank you so much for this nice conversation for teaching me about robots and all these interesting things and and that's it for this week's episode of stem to views tune in again to hear more research stories from the scientists themselves until next time, you can follow us on Twitter at STEMcognito and on Instagram also at STEMcognito, where you can keep up to date with our latest guests, video uploads and science communication tips and also watch the video version of this interview. See you over there.